This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, good morning to everybody in South Africa. I'm coming to you live from Taiwan, Taipei to be exact. I'm here for the Computex Tech Show, which is without question the largest computer show in the world and one of the largest technology shows in the East. And the reason why I'm calling it a computer show is that there are a lot of mobile shows that I've been to, a lot of other exhibitions of consumer technology. So you go to CES and you see things all the way from washing machines to hi-fis, you name it, everything to do with gadgets that go on and off. And you go to World Mobile Congress in Barcelona, and it's all about mobile, mobile connectivity, the networks, 5G, 3G, 4G, all the Gs in the world. But this show is all about processors and overclocking and computer bits and AMD and Intel and guys like that. But we'll talk all about that in a little bit in a few minutes because I've got a full report of all the stuff that I've seen. And there have been some serious, serious breakthroughs, perhaps too strong a word. But certainly there have been some significant enhancements in computing. There's some crazy interesting laptops that are coming out in the next short while, and we thought foldable phones were crazy. Well, multi-screen laptops are becoming quite a big thing, and I'm not talking about screens that all fold out. I'm just talking about lots of screens on your laptop, but more about that later. Uh, first, I wanted to just catch you all up on the news of the week, and boy, oh boy, apart from the cabinet being announced, this has been quite, quite, quite a week. The fallout around Huawei and the American inclusion of them on their, their sort of no-go list has continued apace across the world. Many, many um, tech companies and certainly even here in Computex, it came up again and again when we were sitting talking, you know, the, the, the global press were talking to representatives from ARM, which have indicated that they are still looking at the issue. They're not entirely convinced yet whether they will be they will be stopping all technology sharing and partnerships with Huawei at this point. But um Intel, Qualcomm, all the guys were here and certainly it's 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 just having a huge impact. Huawei are number two mobile manufacturer globally, they're number one manufacturer of networks and networking equipment globally. So their their footprint outside of America is significant. Every country has a, a Huawei subsidiary. Every comp- every country has multiple employees of Huawei, both local and international. So the impact of the American ban on Huawei has massive effects on people's jobs, on livelihoods, on all sorts of things around um around the globe. So we're going to see more and more. It's gone all quiet on the Western Front in and literally the Western Front. But um, Huawei have been given a 90-day extension from the so-called ban, which ends sometime in August. And I'm sure there's some crazy negotiations going on in the, in the back end. But watch this space. I'll bring you all the news. Again, your Huawei phone will continue to work. Huawei South Africa have definitely... Uh, come out strong and said they will continue to support your your device for the foreseeable future. They'll be updated, so it's entirely safe. Going forward, we don't know. It's uncertain what, what the situation will be, whether there will be any more Android Huawei phones or not. 
But the simple fact is if you have one and you bought one, even recently, it's safe. It's great. It's going to continue doing exactly what it needs to do. And it'll update to all the latest, you know, security updates and everything that you need to keep it going strong. So don't panic. Just hang in there and see what happens with all the global nonsense around Huawei. Now, moving on to something else that came out this week, which was really interesting, is that Telcom uh, released their financial results for the year. And they are actually killing it, especially in mobile. Now, why I say that's quite surprising, MTN's results are out, Vodacom's results are out, all the other major telcos have released their results in the last couple of months. And they've been good, if not spectacular, but they've been decent. They've they've survived, they've grown a little in some areas, they've shrunk a little in others. But in many cases, when you look at the sort of market that we're in, which is tough, no question, they've held their own and not done terribly badly. I know that's faint praise, but that's where they are, and that's where companies of this scale, massive scale, are doing. But what Telcom have announced in the last um, year is that their service revenues in mobile especially have jumped nearly 60%, and their subscribers, this is what's so interesting, remember that the South Africa is an oversubscribed market. There are probably 130 million network connections on mobile for 57 million people. So pretty much every human being has two to three connections in South Africa. So it's 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 a hard market. Simply put, it's a mature market. It's a very hard market to grow. And if they keep up this rate of growth, they could certainly challenge CELC for position of uh, South Africa's third largest mobile network. So Really, really interesting. And apart from adding subscribers, they've actually kept their average revenue per user, what they call ARPU, um, pretty stable at around about 100 rand a month. So they're not just adding low connections or connections that have very little value. Each connection is bringing tremendous, tremendous value. And their prepaid subscribers also more than doubled for the 2018 year. So basically almost 100% increase, which is Pretty, pretty impressive considering the market they're in. And we'll be back uh, straight after this. We have to have a quick break for our sponsors. And then I've got some more news and interesting tech information that's coming. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And I must say, I think it's, it's, it's good to hear that local companies, especially considering the environment we operate in, state-owned enterprises, which Telcom is effectively 51% owned by government, are really doing well. They've done, they've read the market well. They've realized that mobile is where it's all happening. ADSL is definitely on its way out. In fact, their MD um, mentioned that they'll probably be killing ADSL. So if any of you out there are still using ADSL, it's time to start eyeing the fiber because Here's another really interesting point. Currently, based on the pricing of fiber, it is cheaper to have a fiber line for Internet than to have a telephone line and tag ADSL on it. So the reliability of fiber is is, is far better. So if you're, in a, if you're in a fiber area and you've said, you know, I don't need fiber, I'm quite happy with my ADSL line, you'll be far happier with a fiber line and you'll save some money, which generally makes people a lot happier as well. So... Telcom have realized this. They definitely are out to get rid of ADSL. I think it's quite intensive. The copper lines are hard to maintain. They're getting old. 
it's it's a really labor intensive business the, the 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 technical teams they need on the road to do it are expensive as well which they mentioned so their their, their telecom lines their fixed lines are dropping remarkably and wherever they have a problem with cop, copper cables what they do is they switch people across to an LTE or a, a, a a telephone substitution. You don't even know it's it's not your normal line. They put a little box in your home with a LTE modem built in, and your phone works like a normal phone, except it's not plugged into any cable. So it's really good news that they seem to understand where this is all going, and they've actually improved revenue, and it just shows that with good management, these companies certainly can do extremely, extremely well. So kudos to them. I think that's a great thing that they're doing what they're doing. And expect more of the same going forward. I think it's quite interesting how, as a major incumbent, they've been able to leverage their position in such a way. And another little tidbit that they mentioned, which is worth mentioning, and it's back to the fiber, they've laid another 6,000 kilometers of fiber across the country. It brings their total to nearly 160,000 kilometers of fiber, which is pretty significant. It's clear that copper's on its way out and fiber is all the way coming in. Now, Apple weren't quiet. Really interesting that they updated their iPod. We thought, and many people in the industry thought, that the iPod was over. They hadn't touched it for years. They hadn't done anything or updated it in any way for many, many years. And it looked like an old iPhone. It's very thin, very slim. But the new iPod Touch, they've updated it for the brand new A10 processor, so it's super fast and up to 256 gigabyte of internal storage. So it'll run all the latest um, iOS updates and run all the latest gaming. And I think that's where it probably made a lot of sense. They're about to release a gaming, a gaming subscription service with some really spectacular games. And maybe people don't want to have a phone for that, or they don't want to give a phone to their children for music and gaming and, and the couple of apps and whatever else that they want to do. But it's certainly very small, very light, very easy to use with a great screen. So I think uh, we're going to see some interesting things happening around that space. But uh, Apple are at it and still updating technology that most of us really thought was on its way out. Now another interesting tidbit came across my desk uh, this morning, actually, and that is eBucks. FNB are completely revamping their eBucks platform for 2019. And that all kicks in on 1 June, 1 July. So expect if you're an FNB customer, expect an email shortly with all the updates and the, the changes. But there's a little bit of a backstory to this whole thing. And it's very simply put called competition. A huge amount of really Competitive new banking platforms, companies are coming onto the market, no less Discovery Bank with their whole behavioral banking model, which links into the, the Discovery Health platform. So lots of interesting stuff coming there and all the, the Discovery rewards. Well, eBucks have been probably one of the best and the, and the biggest in the, in the rewards business. I mean, apparently they've paid out 12 comma, well, they've, paid out to members over 12.3 billion rand in rewards since the year 2000. And what's interesting, and this is actually more interesting because a lot of these reward programs calculate how much massive rewards they pay people, but people tend to not use them. Either it's too complicated or it's not so, you know, there's always some story. 
and the utilization rate, and I've heard that that's something that Discovery Vitality has, only 20% of the people utilize 80% of the rewards. And here they're saying that almost 100% of that 12.3 billion, well, a little bit less than 100%, 11 billion of those rewards were actually paid out or their members actually spent it. But some of the rule changes I think are really cool. There will be no minimum e-bucks to qualify for discounts when booking a flight on e-bucks. Up to now, you either had to, if you didn't have sufficient e-bucks, you couldn't book a flight on international or a, a discounted flight. Doesn't matter if you were on a higher, you know, you, you'd, you'd gone up to a higher tier, you could get a decent discount on these flights. But if you didn't have enough e-bucks, you couldn't book. Well, now you can. Um, and you'll be able to do it through the app which is cool. Right now, you've had to go to the website and figure it out there. I haven't seen it on the app yet. It'll probably come in an update by 1 July. Also, eBucks members will have an opportunity to earn double fuel rewards with up to eight rand a back uh, from the, from Eng- if you fill up at NGEN. A whole lot of other changes are coming. I'm not going to them all now. I think there's too many too many to worry about. But uh, eBucks through the FNB Connect Sim are going to be giving people free data, free airtime, and all sorts of other little benefits. And obviously, it all depends on what account you've got and where you are. And as usual, with all these membership schemes, it depends on your level, etc., etc. But they do say that they're going to make it a little simpler and make it easier to spend your e-bucks with more and more partners and also reduce the number of reward levels or number of points you require to reach a higher reward level, which is always great. In the last couple of years, I've actually noticed that eBucks have quietly, quietly cut back, or rather made it more and more difficult. Cut back on some of the rewards and made it more and more difficult. That's why I say it's really cool that all this competition in the banking space has definitely made them relook at the entire package and um, revamp what they're doing. And that's absolutely great news for you and I and all the other FNB customers out there. So keep your eyes open for the email. Check it out. And as usual, you've got to play the game, but certainly there are some really, really great rewards on that. One other thing that came that I that I was notified about, and I'll talk about it later as my gadget of the week, is Samsung are offering free updates to S7 and older phones for the next couple of weeks, I think next two weeks. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back straight after this. Another quick break for our sponsors. And then we'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe, and I'm going to tell you all about Computex 2019. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And this is Tech Talk Cafe. Normally, I find someone interesting to share their story around tech or what they're doing. But this story is certainly very interesting. More for the the tech geeks, and I'll try to keep it fairly simple because it has implications. It does affect all of us. When Intel released new processors, when AMD released new processors, when another company um, called – I've gone completely blank. I've, I've obviously been traveling around doing too many things. But there have been a lot of processor information. And the processors are the heart of the um, the computer. It's the heart of the phone that you use. It is the brain of all the modern tech and these brains are getting bigger, they're getting smarter, they're getting faster, they're also getting more and more power efficient, and certainly more and more ubiquitous. They're being able to stick these computer brains, these processes, into the most remarkable things from dolls to robots to 
picking machines that run around your, when I say picking, not fruit picking, but they have those as well, but machines that run around your warehouse and pick stock for delivery to people. So every single thing is becoming smart. And there is no question that what I've seen at Computex, where all the, the, obviously the processor manufacturers are here from Qualcomm to Intel to AMD and Nvidia. Sorry, that was the one that, that caught me for a second. Nvidia. Nvidia are better known for their, their, what they call GPUs, which is the graphic units. That's the video cards that sit inside everything. But they have a huge amount of processes that are focused on AI and robots. So there's some amazing, amazing stuff coming from them in that space. But all of them are moving really quickly to the point where all these devices have AI chips, call them neural processing engines, whatever you want to call them. They're not quite artificial intelligence yet, but certainly they are incredibly powerful processes, processes that used to take up rooms a couple of 10, 15 years ago, huge rooms of equipment um, used to be needed to do the most basic computing tasks. You can now do that on your wrist for the most part, and that is due to the advances in technologies. But essentially, the whole ecosystem of computer design from memory, pan- memory hard drives, well, they're not even hard drives anymore. They're called solid-state storage units, um, all the way to sensors, humidity, temperature, motion, you name it. Every single component that you can imagine that goes into modern tech was on show at Computex. And that is why it is so unbelievably interesting to wander through the halls, have a look at the research that these guys are doing, have a look at the components that they're making and offering from the cases, as I said, to the keyboards, to the mice, to every single little piece of equipment that you could actually imagine is on offer in the multiple halls of Computex. And it just gives you such an insight. For example, all the heart rate sensors and the blood pressure sensors that we have on our wrists and our Fitbits, I saw a couple of years ago at at um, Computex, and they are showing even more motion sensors, temperature sensors of a quality that is pretty much insane. And all of that is available here, and it's all giving an indication of where computing is going and where the the industry is moving in terms of what it does, what it isn't doing, and um, what is going to be the next big thing. Now, we've spoken about foldable phones. You know, so you've got a phone that folds out to a 7-inch tablet, uh, folds back to a 4-inch phone or a 6-inch single-screen phone. Well, laptops are certainly an area that is hard to innovate in. I mean, it's got a screen on top. It's got a keyboard below. Some of them fold over and become tablets. Some of them don't. Some of them just open up like normal things. Well, now what I saw from Asus and a couple of others, uh, Intel had a couple of prototypes that they were showing. What is becoming a big deal, apart from Asus putting a turning the trackpad into a screen? So your little trackpad at the bottom of your mouse, of your your a laptop is actually a screen. You can control all sorts of things by tapping and touching and, and swiping on your, on your trackpad, not just the mouse. You can open apps, you can close apps, you can view a little video, you can watch uh, an instruction set if you're programming running on your, on your trackpad while you're doing something else on your screen. Well, they've taken it even one step further. Apart from the fact that your trackpad is a screen, 
What Asus and Intel were showing, it, Asus have actually relaunched it. It'll be available, and it's coming to South Africa, I've confirmed. Um, is they've put a screen. They've essentially moved the keyboard all the way down. These are big, big laptops, a 14-inch and a 15-inch. The 15-inch is coming to South Africa, the 15.9-inch. The 14-inch is not. And move the trackpad or the screen, which doubles as a trackpad, to the right. And the whole top underneath your your normal screen, the whole top at about a third or even close to 40% of the top of the laptop is another screen which can be used. Both of them are touch screens, so you can move information from the top screen to the bottom screen. I didn't have a lot of time to play with it because there were always a million people around trying to get their hands on these cool new devices. But I can see that there are a lot of uses for for, for um, spreadsheets, for anybody who's doing a little bit of research. Let's say you're typing something and you want to do some research without moving what's on your main screen. You can do it on the secondary screen. You can move stuff from the trackpad to the secondary screen and back again, or from the trackpad to the main screen just with a flick or a push. So quite a different way of working. And having so many screens on a, on a, on a, on a, on a laptop certainly does change things. I know that many people have multiple screens on their desktops. They have, you know, if they do a lot of work or they stock traders, that's the, the standard picture that you see. But, People have got used to having multiple screens to do multiple things. It sometimes makes your life a lot easier. Certainly if you've got a web a web page on one and you've got a, a document on another and you're working between the two or two documents, one on the one screen, one on the other. So multiple screen laptops are certainly becoming quite a big deal and was definitely something that I wouldn't say defined the, the evolution of um, laptops in at Computex, but certainly was one of the coolest things that I saw. One of the first things that I did see, which was really, really interesting, AMD are and have been for many years the only other major competitor to Intel when it came to processors. And occasionally AMD have taken the lead, but Intel have had a commanding sort of grip on the market. They've certainly been the biggest, and they still are the biggest in that space, even though they've been surpassed by the mobile uh, chipset manufacturers like Qualcomm, even Samsung make uh, chipsets, uh, I think, are slightly bigger than, than Intel. But when it comes to computers and, and servers, Intel are the boys, with AMD playing a little bit of a second role. Well, AMD have decided to come out at uh, Computex all guns blazing. They launched a whole new range of 7 nanometer. The current now, a nanometer essentially is thinner than a hair much, much thinner than a hair. So when you start start talking about seven nanometers, which is a meter minus a thousand or a thousand times smaller than a meter or a hundred thousand times smaller than a meter, all the mathematicians out there, please send me a message to correct what my understanding of a nanometer is. But anyway, the next generation of processors are now in the 10 to 7 nanometer. Intel have launched their 10 nanometer processors. AMD went one better and launched seven nanometer processors. processors and the benefit is that you can get more chips more integ- uh, more transistors more bits into a smaller space because the actual die the actual construction of the processor itself is infinitely smaller i mean f- going from a 14 nanometer to a 7 nanometer means you can more than double the amount of 
of active components that you can build into the chip. At the same time, the chips run cooler, they use less power, and they certainly can become more and more, uh, more and more powerful, do more things in that space. So AMD have launched a brand new seven nanometer. They call it their Zen 2 architecture. And they are also bringing out what they call the Ryzen third generation and their Threadripper third generation processors. So, and some other crazy names like the Epic processor for servers. But the simple fact is what this does is it certainly brings them right into contention in terms of performance and overall processor ability with Intel. And here's the kicker. They announced that their top end uh, processors, which will be coming out on July the 7th. So this is not vaporware. These processors, for all you gamers out there and all you um, computer nerds, will be half the price on average for the same, if not better, performance than an Intel processor. Uh, and that is big, big, big news. So if the average top-end Intel processor was, let's say, a thousand US dollars, the equivalent and yet, according to AMD, even more powerful processor will retail for about 499 or $500, so half the price, which is a big, big deal. At the same time, they launched their brand new range of GPUs. Now, the CPU is the processor. It handles the, the crunching, the number crunching, and the GPU is the video processor. More and more computing is being done in the video processor, just Thought you'd want to know that because it's very important. You can drop that to your next uh, dinner party. Tell people how amazing GPU processing is actually becoming, how it's managing to pick up so much slack and take over so much activity from the CPU that um, it's changing the nature of, of, of computing. You can use that. Stephen said you can have that and make make it sound like you really know what's going on with computers. But the simple fact is that GPUs are an integral part of every PC. Without a GPU, you would get nothing on your screen. And more and more processing in terms of number crunching and heavy hitting, especially for AI and advanced machine learning, is being done in the GPU. And what is interesting is that AMD are one of the few companies that do CPUs and GPUs. They do them together. Whereas Intel does make GPUs, but they've never been well known for it. they make CPUs and I wouldn't call it, but com- less commercial or less high end GPUs. Whereas AMD are now have always been known for very high end, um, GPUs, which competed with the NVIDIA GPUs, which are also extremely well known to the gaming fraternity for being high end. Well, the new AMD RX 5700 is their headline GPU and that will also come out on the 7th of July, and it also is one of the fastest, fastest um, GPUs that you can get. Now, just to switch quickly to what Intel did, that was on the first day. Intel had their press conference on the second day, and quite clearly, I think uh, AMD stole the wind from Intel's uh, sales a little bit. They did, they've been struggling with the next generation. Currently, they're working on, I think, a 14 nanometer processor, and they've been struggling to go to the next generation for whatever reason. There were product yield issues and a lot of stories. But their latest generation, which is called Ice Lake, um, will only be in will only be in commercial production towards the end of the year. So from starting with laptops, apparently from July. But the major major sort of launch of those processes will only take 
place some time towards the end of the year. And again, the performance looks like they are quite a big jump over the current processes. And they were showing off a lot of of this the story around processing. But that, what they tried to do is play down the numbers as much as they could because I think <laughs> AMD trumped them just a, a little on that. But essentially what they were talking about, the next wave of computing, of how computing is changing, and that's where we started seeing multi-screen laptops. You're starting to see far more intelligent and much faster and much more efficient laptops, ones that are incredibly good at giving you 20 hours of battery life and then some, um, you know, with one charge. So a lot happening around that. A lot of people will say, well, look, I'm happy with the processor that I've got. But what is also happening is more and more videos going high end. We will watch it we, we, as part of what's evolving in laptops, especially in gaming laptops, very high end screens, OLED based, running at 240 hertz. So the refresh rates are incredibly fast, which makes the screens excellent for um, all sorts of professional gaming and other uses. So if you're a video producer, you get incredible performance from these type of screens, and you're going to need very fast processors, very fast GPUs and CPUs to be able to take care of the amount of data that, first of all, needs to be crunched if you start working on 8K video and beyond, which is, again, becoming a thing. 8K TVs are out there, so expect to see more 8K video in the nearest future. And um, so there's been a huge growth in the, the demand for massive processing power both on the CPU and the GPU, and both Intel and AMD have responded accordingly, along with, and I, I see we're running out of time to talk about it, but but the guys from NVIDIA have done that as well. They've also brought out a whole new range of top-end top end, top end um, processors, which certainly do compete at the very high end in terms of what's going on. But what they've done, and this is another huge change that we're seeing in computing, there's a whole new range of um, computers being created for what people call the creatives, people who need gaming laptop or gaming PC level power, but want smart, clean, very high quality, easy to use laptops. And both of the companies, Intel, AMD and NVIDIA, were showing that it is now possible, which used to edit a high grade 8K movie in real time on a laptop where that, as much as a year ago, needed a massive desktop computer sitting in a room with big screens and very high-end gear, costing tens of thousands of dollars, where you can now go out and buy a two to $3,000 laptop and do exactly the same amount of processing, fiddle with the same movie in real time, fix the same pictures, and process the same amount of data on a laptop that one year ago needed a massive high-end um, desktop. So the the growth in computing power on a very light, good-looking, slim laptop has just become exponential. Now, interestingly, they're all aiming at Apple. Apple always used to have the Apple MacBook Pros always used to fit that space. And NVIDIA, along with um, a ton of their partners, have released a range of these so-called created PC, uh, laptops which certainly outperform any MacBook Pro in terms of processing power, video power, quality of screen, 
And they assure people, and this is the thing that all the Mac people all love, is that it just works on a Mac. What they're doing is making sure that all the drivers are absolutely optimized for the actual um, Adobe type or, or all the other creative type movie creation and manipulation software. So they are guaranteeing that if you use those laptops to, to do any of these functionalities, you will get a seamless, constantly updated, always right at the top, the cutting edge of technology. Um, and it will all be on an inexpensive laptop that you can take around with you. No more sending stuff upwards and backwards and forwards. And one of the examples they showed, which was really impressive, is that, you know, the, there was a recent movie, Aquaman. That movie was managed and created in real time using this type of hardware. And the benefit was they could make a change, show it in real time instantly to the producers instead of doing it overnight in the editing suite, do whatever needed to be done. And it cut down in terms of days, if not weeks of shooting um, to get this movie made, which is quite remarkable. And again, that has happened in the last year. Pretty, pretty impressive growth in the sheer ability of computers to do the most complex tasks. And uh, then you flip it closed, pop it in your backpack and go home. Unbelievable stuff. And we'll be back. Jeez, time flies when you're talking tech, I must tell you. Certainly do enjoy this. But uh, we'll be back straight after this. And I've got my gadget of the week and a little bit more info of what's happening at Computex. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And as usual, time absolutely flies. And just to give you a break from that heavy tech all about ZP, CPUs, GPUs and whatnot, what I've been doing is reviewing, playing, taking pictures, posting. You can follow me on Instagram at Ambio um, or on Twitter at Ambio. That keeps things simple. And see all the pictures and the photographs and the time I've been having in Taiwan uh, running around Computex. And what I've been using has been two Samsung phones, which have been quite, quite impressive. The first one is the S10 Plus, which uh, I've reviewed on air before. But my gadget of the week this week is the Samsung S or the S10e, which is their smaller and more affordable version of the S10 or the Galaxy S10 range. And just to give a little bit of uh, context about how much smaller it is, it's it's essentially the little brother. And what E stands for is essential. So what Samsung have done is they've packed pretty much everything that the Galaxy S10 and the S10 Plus have into a lower price. It comes with a 5.8-inch screen, which some people absolutely love. And I must tell you, the, the feel... The um, size is is really perfect. It slips in your pocket. It goes into your bag. It's just a great size screen, and yet it's because of the fact that it's completely bezel-less, it, um, it is pretty compact. I mean, even the S10 Plus is pretty compact, but the E is significantly more compact. You get the same two primary cameras as the S10 and S Plus, S10 Plus. Uh, Really, the battery life has been pretty spectacular. What is interesting from last year's phones to this year's phones, running around, traveling, really taking pictures, using your phone intensively, 
the battery life has improved dramatically. Generally, I don't have to top up until five, six at night. Um, and even then, 20 minutes on a, on a backup battery and I'm good to go till 11, 12 at night. Whereas last year, by lunchtime, I was, I was, uh, recharging my phone, which is quite a big difference. And on the S10 Plus and on the S10e, I must say the battery life has been pretty, pretty spectacular. I've been able to get through a full day, uh, taking pictures, using it to post on social media, really doing some and navigating and doing all sorts of interesting stuff. And it is really, really very, very good. The, the compromises on the S10e are fairly minor. First thing that you miss is the curved edge display. But it's not that noticeable because the new S10 and S10 Plus have reduced that curve quite considerably. I love the new look of the S10 and S10 Plus. I think it's very clean and modern. And the E has the same same look and feel, but the screen is flat, not curved. So it's not a big deal, and you won't miss it, in my opinion. You also do not have the in-screen fingerprint sensor, which is super cool. I really do enjoy that. They've got one on the side, which is easy enough to use. It's fast and simple. Also, uh, you don't get... The, the wide angle lens, which, yeah, I think I've been using it because I've been taking all these fabulous pictures on the S10 plus of these wonderful places like a place called Shimanding at night. All the young people go there. The streets are packed and it's just insanely interesting to go to. And having a wide angle lens gives you the ability to take amazing pictures. And that brings me to the next thing that I've absolutely loved about the S10e and the S10 plus. The cameras are spectacular, especially at night. In general, they are very, very good in the day. They're very good in low light. And interestingly, a brand new update has just been released in the last couple of days with, from Samsung, which gives you night a night mode on the camera. And what that does is you have to hold the camera screen still, but almost in absolute pitch dark, you can get the most amazing pictures but for normal mode when you just leave it in camera mode and take pictures at night the ability of these cameras to take really really excellent night photos is it's so impressive i've been pretty much blown away a lot of stuff i've been taking is in darkened display or darkened press conferences in really challenging conditions and the quality of the cameras on the S10e and the S10 Plus are really outstanding. Some of the best cameras that I've used, the only camera that I think in some instances, and not all, was the Huawei P30. The Huawei P30 has got better zoom than both, and certainly in normal mode can take slightly better really low-light pictures. But once you use the night mode on the uh, on the S10e or Plus, you get very close to the low-light ability of the Huawei P30. So, again, an absolutely spectacular result. And, again, the price of the S10e is significantly lower than the S10 and the S10 Plus. So, it comes with 6 gig of RAM, 128 gig of storage, so you can store as much um, pictures as you want, and I've been certainly doing my best to fill it up. But overall, the build quality is is exactly the same as the S10, and that means really, really good. Samsung certainly have nailed down the high-end feel look of um, 
of their phones. They've beautifully built. The screen quality is exceptional, I must admit. There's a little bit of a, a lower resolution, not that you can notice it terribly, but the quality of the screen on the S10e is very, very good. Um, it's certainly, once you put it next to the S10+, Plus, you can see that it's not quite as sharp and not quite as good, but it's very, very difficult to see unless you put them side by side. But the main feature that I think will appeal to a lot of people, apart from the fact that it's significantly less expensive than the S10+, Plus, is the fact that it is a very good-sized phone. It's still big enough, close to six inches, to be really useful for watching a little bit of video, playing a couple of games, checking out your photos and all your social media, even reading emails. But it is very small. It fits nicely into your pocket. And it certainly competes a lot more with the iPhone XR, which is very interesting. And it's, it's, it's in, it's in fact slightly lower priced. It's got a USB-C charging port. It's still got a headphone jack, which is really cool. And it comes in a whole range of really interesting, um, colors. I have the prism black, but the prism white, which is the one that I've got on the S10 plus, um, is really cool. And I don't know if they've brought the, the flamingo pink to South Africa. I've seen the green and the pink at stores here, and they are really, really, really good looking. So if you're looking for a top end device that is very compact, I must say, I've been suitably impressed by the S10e. I think this is definitely one of the better phones. The S10 range with their new operating system, with all the updates that they've made, is really easy to use. The, the core quality, I've not had any issues around that. It's really good. It's got some of the latest Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi 6, something we'll be talking more and more about. So if you're looking for a, a, a top-end phone without top-end price, and you still want something that's compact, I must say, I would highly recommend the Samsung Galaxy S10e. I think it's been a little overlooked in the S10 range, but it may be the best kept secret. It's a great device at a great price. And now I see we have to break again quickly for a, for our sponsors, and then I'll wrap up uh, Computex with a couple of, of the sort of my picks of the product that I saw. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And just my pick of of uh, of the laptops. Let's start there at um, at Computex was definitely the ZenBook Duo and two concept um, laptops from Intel. They give them interesting names, the Twin Rivers and the Honeycomb. Now, both of them were really interesting. The, uh, the, the Honeycomb Glacier one has two hinges. The first hinge is for the main screen, and the second hinge is for the secondary screen. So what you do is you can pop up the secondary screen so it's looking at you, and then adjust the top screen. Not, I don't know how long that would last in terms of, 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 of construction, but it really looked amazing. All of these, um, all of these laptops had multiple screens. As I said, they all had a main screen like a normal laptop, but beneath that, they had a really large screen, as big as a normal keyboard, or maybe a fraction thinner, but essentially the same size as a normal keyboard, which sat above the keyboard with a mouse pad to the right, uh, which was quite interesting. The ZenBook Pro 15, which is definitely coming to South Africa, haven't got the pricing yet, but it's certainly coming. 
um, also has another screen built into the trackpad. So you've got all these multiple screens doing all sorts of interesting things with incredibly good build quality on the ZenBook Pro. And um, it's just the beginning, Intel, as far as they're concerned, they're going to do more and more of these. And what is interesting is when they closed, they're not much bigger or heavier. In fact, they're not bigger or heavier than a standard 15-inch laptop. So all with specs that can absolutely blow you completely out of the water. And my most (laughs) – the best fun I had was wandering around Computex looking at computer cases – they, they are essentially art. People have created computer cases that look like spaceships. They've created computer cases all with water cooling and LED lights that look like pieces of art. Unbelievable amount of really interesting um, cases. One of them was an old retro typewriter type case. So just great fun. The amount of effort that people put in to their their cases is pretty spectacular. One thing I have to mention, Dell also launched a brand new range of laptops as part of the Intel 10th generation core um, launch. Some brand new laptops. There's a new XPS that is definitely coming to South Africa. The, the XPS that folds over, so it's a convertible. They've got, and I managed to play with it. It's a big advance on the current XPS range, which is really interesting because I think the XPS range right now is is a pretty good uh, laptop range. But if you're waiting, it's coming to South Africa in around about August, so not immediate, and that's partly because of the the delayed launch of the Intel processors. But significant significant improves, improvements in performance, battery life, and quality. Great touchscreen. Great ability, great keyboard, so some amazing, amazing improvements. Asus as well had a whole new range of laptops, along with one of the key features, having the trackpad, which is also a video pad, or all sorts of functionality brought into the into the video pad. As, um, Acer also had a brand new range of laptops, certainly a whole new range that they're aiming at what they call the creators, which definitely brings gaming level to slick, smooth, Apple-esque, maybe that's the wrong word, but they're certainly in the same sort of good-looking league as an Apple MacBook Pro, but with the power of the top-end processors, top-end video cards, you know, 4K AMOLED or OLED screens that are incredibly accurate, designed for creators, people who do all sorts of work on magazines and movies. So there's more and more of that quality stuff coming soon. But my most <laughs> fun gadget of the of the show was a special little um, sensor that you put into your baby's nappy or diaper, as they call it here, and um, it tells you when it's time to change so that you don't get any nappy rash. So, and that's got uh, uh, an app which you hook up to your phone, and uh, you don't have to worry about that. Your baby will never have nappy rash. Your the sensor will always inform you when the optimal time to change the nappy. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wait. Tech is just absolutely wonderful. It keeps your babies happy and uh, keeps the rest of us geeks in in fantastic computers. And on that note, uh, I can see our our fearless Craig in the, in the studio is telling me it's time to wrap it up for the next show. This is Stephen Ambrose from Taipei, Taiwan, bringing you all the latest news and gadgets and gizmos right here on High FM. Tech Talk.